Hey, good morning, Veritas. Really good to be with you guys this morning. Um, as you've already heard, we're going to be going over the Lord's Prayer together, not just this morning, but in the upcoming weeks, we're going to be doing that. So grateful that you got to hear the Lord's Prayer uh, being kind of prayed over you, recited over you. Thanks to Joel and Austin and Kelsey that were able to, to bring us just the Word in that way. And uh, we've been able to worship our way into this moment where we're now going to turn our attention to the Lord's Prayer. Um, just a quick note of how we even got here. Why the Lord's Prayer? Why are we doing this series right now? Well, when the coronavirus hit, um, it threw all of us into a tailspin, right? Almost none of us are doing life the way that we thought we would be doing it right now. But um, it also affected our teaching schedule. We actually took a step back and said, wow, what does the Lord want to say to his people? What are the unique teachings from the scriptures that, that we should really be sensitive to and, and bring to our church family? Um, so that's been rolling around in our minds. And then actually last week when Mark was teaching out of Luke chapter 12, man, those beautiful verses, starting in verse 31, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. And then this just mic drop moment, verse 32, don't be afraid little flock because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Man, that verse and that sentiment, that truth um, has really landed well in, in my soul, Mark's soul, all of us around here as we just started contemplating and meditating on the fatherhood of God and his delight in his children. Um, it actually matched up really well with the Lord's Prayer. I'd been kind of thinking about and meditating on the Lord's Prayer over these last weeks and um, the fatherhood of God is actually the way that we begin the Lord's Prayer. And so all those things kind of coalesce together to make us think, man, let's just land in the Lord's Prayer. Let's, let's have us give some, some thought and meditation to it. Um, now, I just want, I feel like I need to give a caveat here as we begin. Um, the Lord's Prayer is so familiar to almost all of us. And by that, I mean, even if you are not a Christian in our culture, it is likely that you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Some have speculated that it is the most repeated like set of words in the English language. Like these words are repeated more audibly or even read in the English language than any other set of words that we have, right? That could be true of German and Spanish, et cetera. But I'm just saying, it is a very familiar set of words. Because of that, its, its nearness, its familiarity can actually work against us. Um, I was thinking about that and how I want to dispel that. And as I thought about that, I was reminded of actually some words that another author brought several years ago, uh, David Foster Wallace. He, he wrote mostly short stories and so forth, but a very... Uh, kind of lettered, esteemed author. Um, he was giving an address at, at Kenyon College at a graduation, and he gave this parable, and I think it's going to be familiar with you. L listen to what he said. He said in this parable, there are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them and says, morning, boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit, and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what the heck is water? 
he actually used the more biblical word for heck. Uh, I'm softening that a little bit for our families. But later on, he goes on to explain uh, why he gave that parable of the fish that I think might be even familiar to you. The point of the fish story, he says, is merely that the most obvious important realities are often the ones that are hardest to see and talk about. The most obvious important realities sometimes escape us. They're hard to talk about. The fact is, listen to this, the fact is that in the day-to-day trenches of adult existence, banal platitudes can have a life or death importance. Banal platitudes like stale, just flat sentiments. Um, Often, we don't realize how critical they are, how life and death they are. So here's what I'm saying by that, okay? I'm saying that if the Lord's prayer has become for you stale, if it's become an empty sentiment, if it's become a banal platitude in some way, I'm asking you to consider, is it possible that hidden in this prayer is actually life and death? Is there life or death importance in these words? And I I guess I'm here to say, I believe that it is as life-giving as you could possibly imagine. And I'm asking you to lean in and maybe hear it with some freshness. Okay, so as we delve, uh, dive in now to, to Matthew chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer, uh, you've already heard it uh, re- repeated to you, given to you. And so I just want to focus on the very first part of the prayer this morning. Jesus says, therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Now, the context of his teaching here is really important. It's in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Sermon on the Mount Mount is two things. It's one, it's an assault on stale, cold, dutiful religion. That's where the people of God are when Jesus lands, and he's going to give an assault on that cold, cold, stale religion, all right? It's also an invitation. The Sermon on the Mount assaults stale religion, but it's an invitation to life that is truly life. It's an invitation to a walk with God that is warm, that is relational, that is life-giving, right? So the assault part of what Jesus teaches us on prayer actually begins in the verses preceding the Lord's Prayer. So let me read those to you. Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, he says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to Pray standing in the synagogues and even on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they've got their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine that they'll just be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things that you need before you even ask him. He's trying to draw us to this idea, this, in fact, new idea into their ears that we can lift our eyes to the heavens and actually call out to our father. And so he says, pray like this, our father. Don't babble. Don't make this some pointless exercise of just repeating words. Look up to the heavens and say, our Father. And guys, I just need you to know, starting a prayer with our Father, that thought alone should take your breath away. It should take your breath away. 
We, we are talking about the God of the universe. And we're able to address him as our father. So just imagine standing before like Victoria Falls, right? And here's the power of that creation, Victoria Falls, right? And then you look away from something as spectacular as Victoria Falls and you see something like, I don't, fireflies, right? Fireflies here in Iowa where, you know, sometimes in the late summer over that soybean field, it's just glittering with these lights. How do insects do that? What is even going on in their little bottoms, you know, that can flash like little flashbulbs? It's just amazing, right? So something as spectacular and big or something as small as a firefly, it, it all just kind of catches our breath and we realize, wow, we get to call out to the God that can create Vic Falls and can create fireflies and know him so personally so intimately that we can call him our father. I want to point us to a couple of things that that should especially stir us when Jesus invites us to address God as our father. And the first one is, he wants to speak to us and say, when you look to your father, remember that you are loved unconditionally. In calling God our father, we are loved unconditionally. In other words, if the God that created Vic Falls and Fireflies is my father, what else do I have to worry about, right? That's, that's actually the sentiment that Paul brings to us in Romans chapter 8 where he says, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? The answer, nothing could be against us. If we've got the God of the universe as our father, let that steep into your souls as you address him in prayer. And, and not only that, that reflection that we are loved unconditionally, but that unconditional love brings me a sense of true security. It's not just love, it's security. I am secure in his love. Romans 8 again reminds us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this father loves me and that love makes me so secure. I have no fear. I'm, I'm related to the God of the universe. He's my father. Which brings me then to the third thing that that should draw us uh, into reflecting on is that we actually only call him father because of Jesus, right? The one who's teaching us how to pray right here in Matthew chapter six, it's Jesus. He is the one that allows us to call him father. So as I was thinking about this, I, I had this moment of just, just so smiling to myself as I as I thought about um, this little boy Ray. So my wife Teresa and I were uh, foster parents for a long time, and uh, one of the first foster children that we had in this little sibling group, his name was Raymond. Called him Ray. And one of the first mornings that Ray popped out of bed in our home, he came bounding. It was just this really short, kind of square, chubby, beautiful little boy, and he came bounding through the kitchen to me, and he goes, "Hey, Dad!" He goes, "No wait." I can call you dad, right? I mean, as long as I'm here. And I just, you know, just burst out laughing with Ray. And I'm like, yeah, Ray, you can call me dad. You can call me dad. So from that point on, he just delighted in calling me dad. So everywhere we would go, he would yell, dad, dad, until everybody around saw that he had somebody to call dad, right? So we would even go to football games and I would tell him where the perimeters were, where he could run to freely, you know? So he would run his chubby little self down to one end of where I told him he could go. And he'd turn back and go, dad, dad, 
dad, until everyone in the crowd is like looking over at me and him and laughing, you know, and I'd be like, hey, Ray, and he'd be like waving, you know, and then he'd run to the other side, dad, 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 you know, he just loved to cry out dad. Now, that was a delight. I want to ask you something. Um, Do you think that my other kids resented the fact that Ray could call me dad? Do you think they were put out by that? No. Not for a moment. They delighted in it. They delighted in the fact that Raymond could finally have somebody in his life that he could call dad. And they welcomed into that experience of calling me dad. I just want you to know, Jesus is delighting in the fact that he can pull us alongside him and say, why didn't you just cry out to that God and call him our father? You and me both have that Father in heaven. Is that just mind-blowing? Jesus pulling us into that very thing. I, I've got this really beautiful quote from J.I. Packer. Actually, I'm not going to read it all to you <laughs> for sake of time, but one of the things that J.I. Packer talks about is he said, when you hear somebody pray, that's when you're really going to know if they're a Christian. And he said, just know this, the Christian name for God is Father. Like somebody who really gets it, really understands what it is to be a Christian, calls God Father. And that's what Jesus is trying to draw us into, this idea of the fatherhood of God. All right, so we start off the prayer, our Father, and then he immediately adds to that imagery of him being our Father by saying this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. So those two truths that God is our Father and that He resides in the heavens and in holiness, those form a beautiful tension in the way that we approach God. It's, it's not, uh, they're not antagonistic truths. It's a beautiful tension, but we've got to hold those in tension. He is our Father, but He resides in the heavens. He is the Holy God. Jesus leads us to a Father, but He doesn't want us to forget that that, that Father is the God of the universe, okay? So when you pray, you pray our Father, and then you hit pause and you say, and you reside in the heavens. You never forget that He's God. I do want to be able to quote from you, and forgive me, I've been stuck at home with a lot of my favorite friends, so I do want to introduce you to some of my friends this morning. And and this is a quote from from, uh, Herman Bavink on this idea that we never forget that he's God. I want you to listen into this, okay? He says, on the very first page of the Bible, the absolute transcendence of God above his creatures comes to our attention. Without strain or fatigue, he calls the whole world into existence by his word alone. And by by the way, now Bavink is just going to give us a string, a thread of scriptures to bring that point across. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He speaks and it is done. He commands and it stands fast. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? The nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon, it's not sufficient to even burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted to him as less than nothing and vanity. To whom then shall we liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? 
For who in the heaven can you be, can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? There is no name by which he can truly be named. His name is wonderful. The reason I bring that is because as you bow in prayer, you do just gladly call him your father, but you never forget that he is also the God of the universe the high king, the creator of all things. And because of that, secondly, you long to honor his name. You don't take for granted that this one that you are calling father is the supreme king. And so as you pray, you want to align your life and you want to say, father, you are so great, so incredible. I... I want to honor you. I, I, I want people that come into contact with me think better of you. Think well of you. I want your name to be honored in this place. I want, I want you to be known as an honorable king, as a holy king. Which brings me again to a similar reflection as we did when we thought of him as our father. The only reason that we can stand in his holy presence is because of Jesus Christ. The reason we can call him Father is because of Jesus. The reason that we can stand in his holy presence is because of Jesus. I, I was thinking about that and I thought of 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's because of his great mercy that he has given us this new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you. We stand brought into this presence before a holy God because of Jesus Christ and what He has done for us in His mercy. So guys, as, as we begin this journey into this prayer, learning how to pray, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Let's get our minds wrapped around the way that He even brings us into that moment of prayer. And I want to say this. I think this is really important, guys. Just know this, the Lord's Prayer is not some mystical incantation. It, it's not say these words often enough or in the right way or uh, whatever. It's not some mystical, don't start babbling back these words just in quick repetition. You're going to violate the very thing that Jesus said not to do before he gives us the Lord's Prayer, right? The power in this prayer doesn't come from your recitation of it. It comes from the one who taught us to pray, Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say that these opening lines of the Lord's Prayer are actually an act of surrender to Jesus Christ, the one who's teaching us how to pray. In other words, when I bow in prayer, I lift my eyes and I say, Our Father, and I remember in that moment, Oh, Father, I can only call you that because of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for sweeping me into this presence. Thank you for sweeping me into this relationship, into this family. And when I think of God residing in the heavens, the high king over all, I remember Jesus and I think, Jesus, I am so unworthy to be able to approach this high king. I am, I am so defiled. I am so filled with guilt and shame, but all that gets swept away because of what you, Jesus, have done for me. 
And so in being able to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, I come because of Jesus Christ. So guys, I, I hope that we can help you walk alongside you as we maybe rediscover how to pray. We follow Jesus. He's saying, follow me. And one of the key ways that he's teaching us to, how to follow him is follow me as I teach you how to pray. Pray like this. Guys, may your walk with Jesus, your walk with your Father be just enhanced and beautified and deepened and strengthened because we're going to go into the school of prayer with Jesus as he teaches us how to pray. And I'd love to do that even now this morning with you. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for teaching us how to pray. You do so, Lord, because you know that uh, we don't get it. We don't know. And even now, after walking with you for many years, I find myself running dry, running empty. And I come back to these very basic truths and I'm reminded all over again, oh, this is how to pray. This is what it means to follow you and to pray. So thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on me. Thank you for your patience, your steadfast love. We love you, Jesus, and we love learning how to pray. In your name, we pray these things. Amen.